I was reading this week about some of the things that my mother taught me. You'll like this. Uh, My mother taught me logic with statements like, because I said so, that's why. She taught me to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, go outside and do it. (laughs) She taught me religion. You better pray that comes out of that carpet. (laughs) She taught me foresight. Make sure you have clean underwear on in case you have an accident. She taught me irony. Irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. She taught me the science of osmosis. Shut up and eat your dinner. She taught me time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. She taught me contortionism. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? We've either heard it or said it, haven't we? Or behind your ears. She taught me uh, stamina. You're going to sit there until all that food is gone. The weather. Mothers teach us about the weather. She says, it looks like a tornado went through this room. (laughs) She teaches us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. (laughs) She teaches us about anticipation. You just wait till your father gets home. (laughs) And justice. She teaches us justice. One day you're going to have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. (laughs) Then you'll know what it's like. Uh, King Solomon told us that every home is built on three primary tools. He's not talking about hammers and nails here. He's not talking about bricks and mortars. He's not talking about carpets and and uh, drapes or paint and, and additions. He's talking about three other very important things, and they are these. The first one is wisdom. And I know there are a lot of definitions for these words, and I'm going to just give you one that will serve us for today. Uh, And I think probably what we're talking about today is something that can fit every one of us. We're talking about mothers today, and we appreciate them, and we love them, and uh, we need them. Uh, But I want you to understand that what we're talking about today can fit every one of us. I don't care whether you're a dad here today or whether you're uh, a little league coach or a teacher Uh, a married mother teacher or a single teacher. Whenever you're in contact with kids, these can fit. Uh, Solomon says wisdom. 
And wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And let me explain that that is the only accurate way to see life. It is the only accurate way to see life. And sometimes we have to teach our children to see life, whatever's going on in their life, whatever is happening to them at the time. What is it that God wants to do? What is God uh, doing in this process? The second one is understanding. And that's the skill of responding with insight. The skill of responding with insight. How do we respond to circumstances that come into our lives? And the third one is knowledge. Knowledge is learning with perception. In other words, getting facts and knowing how to interpret them. Getting facts and knowing what is the significance of the fact that we have. Uh, Where does that passage come from? It comes from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. Solomon says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled, and rare with rare and beautiful treasures. Rare and beautiful treasures. You might want to circle that, because some other translations give it as precious and pleasant riches. And let me share with you some of the precious and pleasant riches which mothers give to their children. The first one is character, character traits. Now, lots of definitions are on character. Um, Let me tell you where we get our word character. We get it from the Greek word character, character. It is a word which uh, has somewhat of a different meaning than uh, we put on it in our English language. Um, the character uh, was the, the uh, mint or the, the form that was on uh, a, a metal object that when they put it against a coin it, and took it off, it left the imprint, the exact image of the uh, emperor on that coin. And so in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says that Jesus is the exact representation, and that's the word that is used here, character. And I tell you that to tell you that one of the things that a mother gives to her children is character. And it's not only character at random. More often than not, it is the imprint of her own character on her children. And that's a a very important concept. The second thing is unerasable memories. If you're like us and you get together with your family... Sooner or later, one of your kids is going to say, you remember when, you remember when this happened or that happened? And Carolyn and I sit back and we are quite amazed sometimes at what our kids remember and think it was funny. We are sometimes amazed at what they remember and think is very serious. 
But it's a delight for us to sit back and listen to our kids reminisce over their past at home. (coughs) And the last one is lasting deep relationships. It's often in the home and often through the mother that children learn to build lasting and deep relationships. Now, we're going to talk about Timothy and his mother and his grandmother today. And Pastor Josh made a reference to that in what he read this morning. I want you to understand that the Apostle Paul, at the stage of writing Second Timothy, is an old man. He has run the course. For all practical purposes, his ministry is over. He is uh, in, a, in a Roman prison, maybe even a Roman dungeon. And uh, for some reason or another, he starts to remember things. And I, and I think perhaps uh, that's what happens to us when we get old. Uh, if you have any questions about that, check with Don Snow. He can help you with that. Uh, and, and Paul begins to rely on his memory. In fact, if you read Second Timothy, it's kind of dripping with nostalgia. And, and Paul is writing to this guy that he remembers a lot of things about. And in the first chapter, he begins to remember some of the influence that this first century mother had on her son. And it might be good for uh, 21st century mothers to emulate that whole uh, concept. So let's take a look at it. First of all, moms, you contribute transparent tenderness to your children. Transparent tenderness. Us dads are not nearly as good at this as the moms are. Uh, in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1, Second Timothy, it says this, I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, With a clear conscience, as night and day, I continually remember you in my prayers. Then circle the words, recalling your tears. Remembering your tears. Something caused Paul to remember that Timothy cried. Timothy learned something about tenderness, but I want you to understand... It was tenderness that somewhere the Apostle Paul saw. Uh, moms are able to teach that. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment uh, from, from his mother. But moms are able to teach this concept of tenderness to the children. I remember one time we were out late at night. And... Uh, uh, we came home and the kids were with us and and the kids uh, the kids were uh, tired and we were tired and and uh, we said to the kids they, they slept on uh, the second floor of our home. We lived in a two-story house that was on a full basement and it was an old house and our kids were on the top floor and Carolyn and I were on the main floor and we told the kids go get ready for bed. I don't know what it was. It was like 12 o'clock at night. And 
we were kind of getting ready, and all of a sudden we heard this blood-curdling scream from upstairs. And we run up there, and there's Rick. He's nine years old or thereabouts, and he's standing in the doorway of his room, and he's, he, he had a teddy bear hamster. And in the corner is the cat. And the picture is the cat just licking his paws with one tiny little paw in front of him. It was the only thing that was left. And uh, my son was about ready to destroy that cat. Oh, and I might add that the cat belonged to his sister. Now, I'll tell you how a dad thinks about this. Rick, not to worry, man. It's a hamster. We'll get you a new one tomorrow. And I'm sure that somewhere in the middle of this, I said, listen, that's what cats do. That's what they're, that's what they're made for. You might have guessed I wasn't helping the situation. And I cleaned up everything, and I remember walking out of the room. And the picture I have is Carolyn sitting on the edge of the bed with her son wrapped up in her arms. And she is weeping with this boy. Weeping. I mean, over a rat. (laughs) But she taught him... That it was okay to cry. See? And uh, I I love it when Steve gets up on the platform. (laughs) I don't wish that he cries. But but this transparent uh, tenderness is something that we learn from the women in our lives. And in this case, the mothers. And I want to say that. (coughs) moms, if you buy into the feminist message of today, now let, let me define what I mean by that. I'm not talking about what we know about the concept of equality and the battle for that. In fact, uh, you might be interested to know a few years ago, I wrote a letter, I wrote a, a paper on the role of women in the church. And my conclusion in that paper is that women can do virtually anything in a church that men can do. But the reality of what I'm talking about here is this worldly, ungodly, feminist view that becomes militant and masculine. And if you do that, you will become like that, a little masculine, a little militant, maybe rough, harsh, and maybe even a little mean. And if you do that, you won't be able to project this transparent, tenderness that is necessary into the lives of your children. And that's what Paul wants to see happen as it did in Timothy. Uh, Timothy, I want you to understand, you have to grasp this. Paul is old. He has a lot of things that he could remember. But what does he remember first? He remembered that Timothy cried. Incredible. 
The second thing is, you contribute authentic spirituality to your children. I have been reminded, those words are very important there in verse 5. I have been reminded because it appears that there was something that caused Paul to remember this particular thing. I'm not sure what it was. Maybe, uh, maybe he had contact with a hypocritical Christian or something. And, and he thought, oh man, I, I remember Timothy. And he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Circle the word sincere faith. You've heard me talk about hypocritas, the word we get our English word hypocrisy from. This is unhypocritas, unhypocritical, an unhypocritical faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. So Timothy acquired from his mother the ability to not be a hypocrite in his Christianity. Mom, you can translate truth into authentic living. You can send them to church. You can send them to Christian school. You can find them Christian friends. And they will get all the facts they can get. All the facts that the school and the church can cram into them. But truth doesn't weave itself into real fleshed out life until they see it in you. So think truth, teach truth, model truth for your children. Number three, you contribute inner confidence to your children. And he starts in verse six, goes, starts, goes on into verse seven. For this reason I remind you to fan the flame. Fan the flame literally means, by the way, it's a word that's only used one time that we know of in Greek literature any place. It means to rekindle or to kindle for the first time. It can mean either one. The gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So the Apostle Paul was the one who ordained Timothy. For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, but the spirit of power. The word timidity is a word which implies insecurity and inferiority. That's not what, uh, that's not how Timothy functioned. He functioned rather with a spirit of power, and that's the word uh, that we get our word dynamite from. Dunamis, the word is. We get dynamite from that. It's, it's an explosive, powerful inner power that was in Timothy. An inner strength, an inner might that Timothy had. You know, Timothy was the pastor of the Ephesian church. Now, I don't have time to explain all of the issues in the Ephesian church. It was not a pretty sight. The Ephesian church was really screwed up. And Timothy might have been 35 or 40 when he stepped in to the Ephesian church. And the Apostle Paul uh, saw him as being a dynamite going into that church because his mother was the person who could say to him, you can do it, you can do it. 
in the early parts of his life, she built this confidence in him. Now, many of you know that my mother died when I was two. So, uh, up until that time, or, or after that time, most of the women that came into my life was a mother figure, and I took them to be my mother. Uh, uh, people like uh, Grace Killian, uh, a, a woman in our church there, and um, my grandmother, and um, uh, numerous others. And so, uh, but nobody was there to tell me you could do it. When I married Carolyn, she was the first person in my life to say, you can go to college. The first person. First person to say, you can go to seminary. You can do it. And she kept pushing our kids piano lessons. You can do it. Uh, college, you can do it. Our daughter went to Moody. You can do it. Our son went to uh, a forestry school. You can do it. And... Uh, and the result is, is that there's this constant encouragement by her that you can do it. And that's what apparently uh, influenced Timothy to go to the Ephesian church in the spirit of power. Number four, you contribute unselfish love to your children. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power of love, circle the word love, it's the Greek word agape, you know that word, I define that word uh, with two words, one is substitutional and the other is sacrificial and it's the same, we we are encouraged throughout the New Testament to be people who show agape love, sacrificial kind of love. Love that is not sacrificial is not agape kind of love. And God, in fact, in John 3.16, the very love that saves us is agape love, sacrificial, substitutionary kind of love. This is the kind of love that seeks the higher good or highest good for the other person, in this case, the children. So the result is, Timothy learned this unselfish kind of love. You know, I think that we, if you're going to be a pastor, you have to show unselfish kind of love. Uh, And what kind of, what does this look like? Well, it's love when, uh, that it's love that is selfless. Um, I can't believe how many times I have watched Carolyn give up something for herself in order to do something for one of the kids. I, I, I can't believe how many times I have seen her do something for the kid. In fact, it's a joke in our family. You can't give Carolyn a money gift because she will spend it on one of the kids. I can't make her spend money on herself. So I go out and buy her stuff. You know, I go to the drugstore in the middle of the night. (laughs) No, I I say to her, let's go out and buy you something. 
And uh, I'll say to her, what do you want? She'll say nothing. So I decide what she wants. So the day before Mother's Day, it's our tradition. I take her out and buy her flowers. So yesterday we went out and bought two nice hanging flower pots that hang over by our trailer. Well, one, we cut the hanger off and set it on a stool. But but the fact is, I kind of have to dictate that because she won't buy anything for herself. So don't give her money. Well, she might buy something for me, but she'll buy something for the kids or the grandkids. Yeah, now the grandkids are there. So, love when it hurts. And some moms understand that there are times in the lives of your kids where you got to love them, and it hurts you to love them. Love when it means discipline. And love when it means staying at the task. Let me explain that. Your love for them comes through when you listen when they hurt. When you have time and you take time. A lot of the conversations with our kids happened on the edge of our bed in the night when I'd rather be sleeping. But they were hurting for some reason, and they came in and needed to talk. And then when you hear what they don't say, see, it it takes a perceptive mom to be able to read between the lines and hear what her children don't say in order to help them along. Here's the final one. You contribute self-discipline to your children. And that's where the Apostle Paul uh, says, God did not give a spirit of timidity, but spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Timothy had to be a self-disciplined man to go into the Ephesian church and accomplish what needed to be accomplished there. It is a difficult it is it is difficult to be consistent, yet love needs to have the balance that discipline brings. Let me explain that mothers are the answer to children who can control themselves. Mothers are often the answer to children who can control themselves, who can be faced with their their peers and the issues in their culture and their society and control themselves. That's what discipline brings. And mothers, I say, never, never sell yourselves short on this. So that's quite an awesome list, actually. Uh, transparent tenderness, authentic spirituality, inner confidence, unselfish love, And self-discipline, you have perhaps the most influential and powerful job on the planet. And I say to you, don't ever, ever play down your calling. Um, Irma Bombeck said, Motherhood takes 180 moving parts, three pairs of hands, three sets of eyes, And, of course, the grace of God. And moms, today 
we applaud you, and we want to do it again. It's a great opportunity for us to take a moment with the mom in our life, and it might be our wives, uh, to, uh, to celebrate communion together. If you're visiting with us today, we always like to pause at the end of the service and say, God, we want to remember what your son Jesus did for us. And so there's communion stations one over there, one back there, one back there, and one up in the front here. And uh, the worship team is going to come, and they're going to begin playing. And often what I like to do is sit through the first song and prepare my heart, talk to God, and in the process of that, get ready to take communion. Then somewhere in the second song, you can get up and take communion uh, Either bring the elements back to where you've been seated or find a corner, get on your knees if you're like, but however you would like to share, uh, uh, do so and uh, do it with the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your goodness to us. Thank you for these moms and their lives and their love for you. Thank you for the impact that they have not only in the lives of their children, but in the life of our church. And Father, we ask you to put your hand on every one of them. Speak into their lives. Enable them, Father, to experience joy and strengthen them in their down times. Come underneath them. Lift them up. Help them to know you love them. Help them to know we love them. And bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.